The gospel says, teach us how to pray. Well, the reason I became Episcopalian was so I would have the book of common prayer and wouldn't have to learn how to pray. But as a priest, they expect me to somehow come up with these extemporaneous prayers, and it's never been my gift. When I was a chaplain in the hospital, the very first day, they send you out. And I walked into this room, and this man was dying of liver cancer, and I kind of sidled up to his bed, feeling very uncomfortable. And he looks at me, and he says, who are you? I went, well, I'm the chaplain. <laughs> and, he, and I giggled just like that, and he went, well, not to worry, I, I don't believe in God, don't need you. I'm like, yes, excellent. So I left, you know. And then he, then he goes, well, wait a minute. Um, since you're here, you might as well say a prayer, my worst nightmare. And he's, I said, okay, um, what would you like me to pray for? And he says, well, I'd really like to go home to die. And the doctor says, I can't go home to die. And I said, okay. And he said, okay. So he shuts his eyes, and he's all ready. And they didn't teach me this. <laughs> so I said, please, God, let this man go home to die. Amen. Like that. Next thing we know, the doctor comes in the room. He goes, you know, I was just walking by your room. I was out in the corridor, and I just felt this, this sense that I should probably let you go home to die. And the guy turns to me and goes, oh, you're good. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> now, don't ask me to explain that. That's a true story. It did happen that way. I don't know what that was about. But usually, I think when people say, teach me how to pray, it's because we think we're doing it wrong because things aren't working out the, maybe the way we want them to be. That if we only prayed correctly, things might go in the right direction or the direction we think they should go. Or maybe it is because we've been around people that are prayerful, that seem grounded, and that we want to deepen our relationship with God. Now, the disciples were good Jewish boys. I'm sure their mothers taught them how to pray. So why would they ask Jesus to teach them how to pray? They had a whole context in, as, as Jewish people in which they were living and praying. I think it's because they saw that Jesus had a different relationship with God than what they were used to. Now, I don't know how many of you were paying attention to that Old Testament reading. I decided, you know, it's too hot and it's summer and I've only got 10 minutes and I'm not going there. Because that would take a lot of explanation as to why God was, was berating these people. But maybe that's the context the disciples were in. And they're looking at Jesus, who's calling God Father. Abba. It's an intimate, loving term. And obviously, Jesus had this very intimate, loving relationship with God. And maybe if Jesus taught them how to pray, they too could have that relationship with God. So Jesus teaches them the Lord's Prayer probably the most powerful prayer that exists. As one author puts it, it's the prayer that never fails. And the reason it's the prayer that never fails is because in that prayer, it's thy will be done, God's will be done, your will be done. That's a prayer that never fails. And it's got the three Fs, food, forgiveness, and fidelity. So Jesus teaches the disciples we pray for your daily sustenance. For us, that may be our daily spiritual sustenance. For forgiveness. We all need forgiveness. And the fidelity part is that God remains faithful to us no matter what we do. So the next part of the gospel then has 
this story about a guy trying to get bread from his neighbor, and the neighbor is sleepy and irritated and already in bed and not willing to get up to give him bread. And I'm thinking, huh, is that how God is with us when we pray? God's like sort of semi-sleepy saying, you know, go away, you know, don't need you guys. That isn't what it's all about. The Greek is about saying that this would never happen. That's how that parable gets opened up. This would never really happen because in the Jewish context of the time, hospitality was paramount. So if somebody came to your house at midnight and asked for a loaf of bread, you jumped out of bed and gave it to them. So the story that is being told by Jesus in this parable is a story saying this would never happen. So today we can't equate the sleepy, irritable person with God. God responds immediately. But what the story is really about is telling us to be persistent. That for us, when we pray, we feel like it's a sleepy God that's telling us to go away, or we encounter nothing. So when we sit and intentionally pray, what happens? For me, silence. I can be whining to God, I can be praising God, I can be asking God for help. I don't hear any little voices in my head, or occasionally it will thunder, but we've had a lot of thunderstorms, so I'm not counting that. But it's typical, there's nothing that happens. And so what this parable is telling us is that we have to continue to be persistent. Because as we go further down into this gospel, we find out that God is there. Ask and you shall find. Seek, knock and the door shall be opened. That God is really there, but we're not aware of it. It's not how it works. Scott and I went to a wedding uh, two weeks ago up in Toronto. It was good friends of ours. And first they wanted me to do the wedding. Well, it's in Canada, number one. So I called the venerable so-and-so. And he never returned my call, so I'm like, ah, you know, I don't think I can go to do this in Canada. It's going to take too many bishops' approvals. Just not going to happen. And they were a young couple, and they said, well, you know, we're, we don't really believe in God, so maybe we should just go with the marriage commissioner. I said, sounds like a great idea. Let's do the marriage commissioner. So we go there, and it's in a what used to be a church that, that has been deconsecrated and has become a restaurant. And so they have, it was a beautiful wedding. We had a lot of fun, but they had these chairs set up and the couple kind of came up and they came up steps like this and there was an area kind of like this and they're there with the marriage commissioner getting married. And right behind them is this huge stained glass window of Jesus. I was like, whoa, what a disconnect. <laughs> and I'm sitting with this United Church of Canada minister and the two of us are like, I can't believe there's no God in this wedding. I can't either. And I'm like, but look. Jesus is like towering over this couple. <laughs> it's like, whoa. So, and then there's stained glass all around. I'm like, man, it's St. Peter's, there's no stained glass. I mean, we got the cross, and I love the cross, don't get me wrong, but I mean, there's no big Jesuses hanging around, you know, and they're everywhere in this place. And what it made me realize is that even if we don't acknowledge God, if we can't hear God, even if we're being persistent in prayer and we're sitting there feeling foolish because nothing happens, that God is still there. So it's important for us to be persistent because it's through prayer 
that we become transformed. And when we become transformed, we transform everyone around us. Now, as Episcopalians, we're big on repetition. Now, we, we like to do the same thing, day in and day out, till it's like tattooed on our brain. And through that repetition, we become transformed. There's some energy, there's some power in prayer that none of us can explain. And even when it feels like we're doing nothing, something is happening. Now, I think about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, Holly, as we all know, started this prayer group at St. Peter's. And we would gather on Wednesday mornings and we pray down through the list, through the membership list, for three people every Wednesday. And then Holly moved, and I think this was part of Holly's way of saying goodbye to us. And it was a wonderful thing. And people who were prayed for on that Wednesday would get a card in the mail. And inevitably, I would hear a story about how they needed prayer that week and how receiving that card transformed them to know that they were lifted in prayer by the community. We have continued that, and there's this wonderful parishioner who continues to write those notes. And it makes a difference in people's lives to know that that energy that we sit here and in the presence of God and we lift people up no matter what is going on in their lives, what we know and what we don't know, and we place them in that love. And somehow, it transforms the people who are praying and it transforms the people who are prayed for. When we want to deepen our relationship, we have to spend time with the person we want to deepen our relationship with. And sometimes it's just being present, side by side. Maybe not talking, maybe not saying anything, maybe just listening. But when we deepen our relationship with another person, we're changed. When we deepen our relationship with God, we're transformed. 